There's some grappling news this week. So that should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun to hear about grappling. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prep Egina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, what's going on? What's up, Prep? Good to see you again. I did Likewise. get to see you this weekend, something very rare nowadays. Yeah. Thanks for coming, by the way. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the news. We got a, a few fun things happening. Um, a little more grappling than usual, so let's start with that. <clears throat> First thing on the docket, Quintet. You know who Quintet is, right? Uh, No. <laughs> it's, it's like, um, you know, like Submission Underground or oh. EBI. You know, um, what's this guy's? What's Chael Sonnen's? Yeah, so submission, submission underground. underground. Yeah, sug. And then the other one is what Polaris. Yeah, Polaris. Yeah, so it's just one of those type of grappling things. Yeah. Uh, they're actually going to do a Pride versus UFC versus WEC event. <clears throat> so that should be pretty uh, entertaining. Yeah. Who are they pulling out for Pride? I mean, if they're going to pull anybody out for Pride. You know, for grappling, they gotta see if they can get Shinya Aoki, man. Shinya, you probably get a uh, Sakuraba. Yeah, Sakuraba's for sure. And then the thing is, like, a lot of the guys, like, you figure a lot of the guys fight for UFC now. Yeah. So, I'm curious what they're gonna do. I'm looking forward to that. When they announce the teams, we'll talk about it again. Yeah, for sure. But that news came out. Um, Another grappling thing, Meatball Molly McCann, someone who's been on a bit of a streak lately in the UFC. She's actually entering the IBJJF World Championships. So I like to see stuff like that because it's such a different um, skill set. Yeah. So for them to enter those contests, I think they're – it's not that I think they're pulling uh, like – it's dangerous for them. I think it's better for them to hone their skills, but it is very different for them. It's not MMA, jiu-jitsu, and MMA, you know, striking is so much different than if you were just kickboxing or if you were just doing jiu-jitsu. Yeah, even when you're grappling in MMA, like, you have so much more to worry about. Like, in jiu-jitsu, it's so, it's easy to just shoot in for a double, like, there are less consequences than in MMA because if you shoot in for a double and a guy sees it coming and knees you in the head, like that's something you have to worry about. So, yeah. So then we have uh, the King Gordon Ryan. He was supposed to face Hadolfo later this year, but he is out, and uh, Herbert Santos is stepping in against him. So I'm looking forward to seeing Gordon Ryan again. Yeah, me too. Um. Our buddy, Zedekiah Montanez. This was this is some big news for us, you know. Um, before I say what happened, you know, Zed, I, I wrote it on Facebook. Zed kind of gave us a chance when nobody knew who we were yeah. um, and continues to support us even through this transition. So uh, we thank him for that. But our buddy Zed signed a four-fight contract with Combates America. Um 
if you guys don't know what Combates America is, it's a promotion that really focuses on Latino fighters, and they're all over one of the Spanish channels. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't know which one it is, <laughs> yeah. but... I recently watched an event, be- or I watched the last two. I watched the one with Chris Zeta from Martinez BJJ, and then I watched the last one because pro wrestler Thunder Rosa was fighting on it. Um, she ended up losing, but it was her first fight. Like She seems promising. She's really small. Um, but they have really good production. It seems like their show is very, like, tight like they they know what they're doing they're coming in they're doing their fights and it's it's just very clean and the fans are rabid and the talent is there it's a lot of people that you know will learn to know in the next few years while the promotion grows and now i understand that we'll have a bigger eye on it because of zed yeah absolutely and i i think it was a good move for him you know it's even though it's a big promotion it's kind of in a smaller market but he has the opportunity to become kind of a superstar wherever he's at, and you know, as while he's in Combate Americas. So this is a really big chance for him to get his name out there. You know, you think about a lot of guys who fought in the bigger promotions in the smaller markets, and the way they got to the, you know, the top of the mountain was because they were seen as the guy over there. So I think this is his opportunity to not only do that, but be in an interesting market where he can travel to a lot of places and see new things and experience a lot of different things. So it's it's really a great move for him. That's what I'm looking forward to the most, that, that he gets out of the city and he goes to Mexico. You know, he goes to Dallas, Houston. You know, they fight. They do a lot of cards in Texas yeah. because of the Hispanic population there. So. You know, and let's hope that, you know, eventually they make their way to the East Coast as well. And we yeah. can cheer him. You know, he gets home field advantage. Yeah. Definitely. So, Ryzen versus Bellator, the card on the um, 29th, I believe. Their fights are, an, a lot of their fights are being announced as we speak. So, Lorenz Larkin versus Nakamura. Darren Cruikshank versus Yamauchi. Ilara Joanne versus Kana Watanabe. And there's a bunch of other fights that got announced that really aren't too notable for us. But um, one thing that came out of these, like, ring of announcements was Kyoji Horiguchi. He is out with an ACL tear and at least won't fight for 10 months. Um, That really sucks. You know, he just won the Bellator... um, title he's rising champ you know he lost in a non-title fight and was scheduled to defend the title against that same person but now obviously he's not going to be able to which is extremely unfortunate Kyoji Horiguchi somebody who when on Twitter somebody asked who do you want to see come back to the UFC he was my answer I think he's someone who can really put it to um he can really put it to Henry Cejudo, whether it be yeah. 125 or 135. He's extremely dangerous. He's only gotten better since he left the UFC. So I wish him a speedy recovery. 
Yeah, and I'm 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 honestly gonna take a guess that that <coughs> ACL tear had something to do with his loss as well. I know they didn't say it, and I saw like he kind of got knocked out, but it didn't seem like he got KO'd. It looked like he just got flash knocked out, and the ref stopped it. But who knows? That could have been one of the reasons. I mean, that's kind of what happened to Cain Velasquez when he fought Ngannou. Like his leg buckled badly, yeah. and even if like it still looked like he had got dropped really bad, so. Maybe it was one of those situations, but I agree. Um, the one guy that I had picked for that that on Twitter post was uh, Gegard Musasi. I feel like despite his loss with Lovato Jr., I feel like that was just a bad matchup for him anyways. And I have a bad feeling that he's going to lose this next one again. So Who's his next fight? Lovato. Again. Supposed to be, yeah, yeah, supposed to be rematching him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I just don't know if I like that fight for him. Yeah, it's just one of those, like, if somebody has your number, he has your number. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like, if you really think about it, would Lovato do well in the UFC? I don't know. But I know Gegard would. And if he would get a title shot, you know, or maybe get a good fight, like, against Darren Till or Robert Whitaker, to then propel him right into the title, like, Gegard would be a very tough matchup for Israel because he's very, you know, unconventional. And you can kind of see, like, he has excellent boxing, great judo, pretty solid jiu-jitsu. But it's really that boxing that will get, I know will probably give Israel some trouble. But, you know, we'll see what happens with his career. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's get into some fight announcements before we get into, like, two of the bigger news items. Let's start with uh, Stop Me, if you like this fight or if you have something to say about it. Frankie Edgar versus Corey Sanhagen. Now, <laughs> I sent you something on the Black Belts and Chicken Heads group chat <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. And you were like, no love for Frankie versus Corey? <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I lost it when I saw that fight announcement. I was, like, expecting you to send it to me because I was, like, so busy that when I saw it, I was like, wait, what? Like, what? I'm so excited. Fantastic fight. Terrible idea for Frankie Edgar yeah. to start with Corey Sanhagen. But it's also a terrible idea for Sanhagen because if yep. you think about it, look at what Edgar did to freaking uh, Yair Rodriguez because mm-hmm. everybody was like, nah, he's going to get killed by this new kid. Like, this new kid's got everything. And he was like, okay. So we'll see what happens. I have a I have a really good feeling that Sanhagen will pull this one out. But you never know. I mean, I would, like, Sanhagen has a pressure that fighters dream about. Like, yeah. he just applies so much pressure and accuracy I just, I'm not going to lie, I want to see him finish somebody. Yeah. And, you know, Frankie's going to be lighter. You know, I think this might be the time for Corey Sanhagen to put on the show and really solidify that he deserves that title shot. And that's my thing. Like, he had fought, um, damn, I can't believe I forgot his name. A Sun Sal? Yeah, he fought a Sun Sal. And he did a great job. But, you know... With Edgar, you don't know what you're going to get because he's never been to 135. That's the first thing. Second of all, he's kind of at the tail end of his career. He's getting older, right? And number three, we don't know how hungry he is because he just put on a, a decent performance against Max. But this is like 
what, the third time in a row that he's lost a title fight? You know, compared to when he used to be <coughs> champion. So there's no telling what might happen. But I think that when you look at all the cards on the table, I kind of see Sandhagen pull, pulling out another decision. I just don't know if he has, like, everything on the table to, like, really do something to Frankie. Because let's not forget that Frankie is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, an excellent wrestler, and he's got solid striking. So it's going to take a lot, you know, or that good one, you know, that lucky shot to really put him down. But I'm just looking for a, a great performance because right now 135 is up in the air. And I'm not. I am not counting on Cejudo to stay champion, <laughs> especially against Aljo. Or there's some dangerous fights for him. Yeah, and and even a f- even fun fights like Garbrandt versus Sanhagen after this one, like that. That even that's a great fight. But yeah. you know, like I mean, that would be Sanhagen really going down. But you know, I mean, because th- he's at number three. Yeah. What's Garbrandt number eight right now? Yeah, but you know, my, the reason why I say that is because I really don't believe that Garbrandt's done. I really feel like he's got more left in him. Yeah, you brought that up. How you you miss you miss Garbrandt? I do, man. Like I it, don't. I, yeah. There was something about his demeanor when he was facing uh, Pedro Munoz, like all the stuff leading up to that fight. He, I just hated him. Like he was so unlikable during that build. Yeah, because he was so nice. But you know what it was like. I I really like looking back. I'm like, yeah, you're being fake. Like, that's not who you are. But I kind of understand where he's at now. Like, the first loss against Dillashaw, I understand, right? But then the second loss was like, damn, like, he really got the better of you. And then with all that EPO stuff, I understand that Garbrandt was like, he cheated for years. Not just for my fights, but for years. And I've got nothing to show for it. Like, I also lost to the guy. So, I feel like he's pissed now because even in the Munoz fight, like, he made a lot of mistakes. But yeah, I feel like now he's not going to make that mistake because if he can get by whoever he needs to get by and get back to the title or at least get close enough, like, I feel like he's going to be hungry like he was against Cruz. Even that fight makes sense for me. You know, like, Cruz versus him versus Garbrandt again and then propel them up. But I don't know if they're going to throw Sanhagen right in the mix right now because it's kind of a tough time to do it because even if he beats Edgar, what is Cejudo going to be doing, you know? Yeah, not to mention you still have Josie Aldo versus Marlon Marais too. Yep. So, and then you have Aljo up there. You know, one, two, and three are busy. Super busy. Well, one and two, and then you have three, him, who's... Like it's, he's busy too. Yeah, and and at this point, when I mean, you think about it, who is Aljo really gonna fight? You know. Yeah. He's gonna be on the sidelines for a bit unless he picks a fight <clears> with somebody <throat> not as notable. But I don't think he'll do that because I he, think he's gonna Tyron Woodley this and just like hold out. Yeah, and you know maybe he deserves to just get that title shot out of the way because at the yeah. end of the day, he has more of an advantage to win that fight than a lot of the guys there. You know, against Cejudo. Yeah. Yeah, so moving on to the next fight announcement, JDS versus Curtis Blades. You got Macy Barber versus Roxanne Modafferi. I love this fight. OSP versus Ryan Spann. That's a good fight. They both looked so good in their last fights. Yeah. This is in Houston. 
um, I believe, OSP's hometown. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Ryan Spann is huge. Yeah. And he's he hits really hard. Then in a grappling match, you have Nikki Rods versus Luke Rockhold. Incredible. I love that. I can't wait to see that. Quick turnaround for Luke. Let's see what he does. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to fight <laughs> MMA anytime soon, so he might as well grapple. Yeah. And then we got some notable names. Aaron Pico, Andrea Lee, Will Martinez from Martinez BJJ is fighting in a no-gi grappling match. Muhammad Ali, the BJJ practitioner, he's uh, fighting for Cowboy Fight Series. So this, I believe this is his MMA debut. And then you have Michael Kennedy at a balance MMA here in Philly fighting for Cowboy Fight Series as well. Nice. Yeah. So let's get into, oh, and Cody Russell's fight for December is canceled. Ouch. They couldn't find an opponent for him. So it's clear nobody wants to fight my man. I would have done it. <laughs> you kill me. <laughs> All right, so let's get into these two pieces of news right now. The Nick Diaz interview. All right. I didn't even know. <laughs> Nick Diaz was on Ariel Hawani's show this past week, and it was interesting to say the least. He won. I mean, he's he's always had this a little bit, but I've never seen it this bad. His speech is really bad now. Like, he always had that, like, slur. But, man, I could, like, I had to keep rewinding it to, like, what do you say? You know, a few times. And then he just kind of, like, he wasn't, like, making excuses for his brother. He was more so, like, defending, like, look. If he couldn't get it done, you know, he shouldn't have took the fight this soon, you know. Um, and he's looking to avenge his brother. So I don't know if you saw that, but he said that he wants to come back in 2020. And he's hoping to fight Jorge Masvidal in like March or April. So I'm going to ask you one question. Do you want to see him fight at all? If it's the right fight, yeah. Um, against Masvidal, no. Mm. Masvidal doesn't need that fight. Nick doesn't need that fight either, because there's a clear difference to Nick's last fight and Nate's last fight. Because let's look back at Nate's last fight. In a lot of people's eyes, you know, and this is before Pettis, I mean, and that was before he returned. He had fought. Conor McGregor and almost beat him at five rounds. And then you look back at Diaz's last fight and he fought Anderson Silva and got destroyed for, what, three, five rounds or something like that? And he didn't look good. He didn't really perform well in that fight. And mind you, this was the Silva that had just come off of losing to Chris Weidman. So... I can only say that there really isn't a lot of fights that are healthy for him to take at 170. And there really aren't a lot of fights for him to take at 185. Like, you can't throw him into the mix like they did with Darren Till. So whoever he fights, it has to be the right fight. 
And if not, then just leave him on the sidelines because he doesn't really deserve those big matches. Because <laughs> I don't think he'll do well. You know, it's like like for example, like put him up against Masvidal, right? What do you think is gonna happen? He's gonna get hurt, like way worse than Nate, because Nate fought already, but Nick hasn't. And to go in there against a guy who went three rounds with your brother and did that well, like you fight the same way. There's really no difference. So I just don't really see how that would go well for him. But that's my take on it. Yeah, it's uh I don't know if I want to see him fight. I don't really have an answer yet. Like I because I battle both ways, like I do want to see him fight, but like hearing him talk, I'm like I I don't I don't want to see you fight. Can I be honest like in a perfect world, it's like the kind of this same situation with like a Luke Rockhold, right? Luke Rockhold lost his last fight, and it was very violent. So where does he go, right? In this case, it's like I wouldn't mind seeing him at Bellator because the guys there are less face it or less dangerous, and with his very simplistic style on the feet, he's still gonna cause a lot of problems for guys. Because of how big he is. And if you look at the 205 division in Bellator, like, it's okay. Once he gets to the top three, like Phil Davis and guys like that, then he's going to have some trouble. But with the right mindset, he could do well. Until he obviously has to face Ryan Bader, which not going to go well. But I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Diaz in Bellator or one championship. Because at least you know, like, he's not going to have to face killers right away. Yeah. Because even if, like, Nick Diaz faces, like, let's say a Mike Perry, that's a guaranteed knockout loss right there. I don't care, like, what Nick does. Like, that's not going to go to the ground. And Mike Perry's going to destroy him. So it's it, it's just tough for me. Because I'm, I'm a huge Diaz Brothers fan. I love Mike Perry. <laughs> I do too, but, like, there's some guys in the top five that you know if they face Mike Perry, like, on a good day, he's going to destroy them. So. Yeah, I can't wait for that Mike Perry, G off Neil fight. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, that fight is going to be crazy. But if Mike Perry can pull that fight off, I mean, listen. Look at it. Look at, just look at his performance against Vicente Luque. Who would have expected that? Yeah. Like, Luque went on a huge tear against some pretty decent guys. And then for Mike Perry to go in there and be like, I ain't scared. Like, I'm going to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I gave him, I had I, I gained so much more respect for him because he was taking fights that nobody wanted to take. Like, let's face it, who the hell wanted to face Vicente? Like, at that point, nobody. The second piece of news was Rose Nami Yunus was on Ariel Hawani's podcast. And she talked about before. You know, the title reign, <clears throat> her having the battle with losing her passion for fighting. And immediately after that, saying how she gained it back and she's looking to come back next year. Um, what do you see for her? Like, she was extremely emotional talking about this. Uh, she didn't say anything about fighting for the title again. I think that was... My opinion is that was probably one of the reasons she did lose her passion. It was the pressure of being the champion. But um, what do you see for her next? I'll put it to you this way. 
she's got a couple options. It's November now, right? So she said next year. That can mean anything. So in a perfect world, she's got a couple of options. Now, she either fights Claudia Goodella, because that's a really good fight, waits to see what happens with Tatiana Suarez, she can also fight Nina Ansaroff. If Ansaroff isn't like in a high-profile fight, because I doubt that, you know, Ansaroff will take a fight in 2020, and then coming off that will be like, yeah, I'll fight Rose. Cause well, she does have that time. I don't. I think we talked about this where she's taken some time off. Yeah, uh, they're looking to have a baby. Exactly, and that's what I mean. Like she's not gonna want to take a fight like that. You know. It's going to be tough for her because mm-hmm. her body has to recuperate. Yep. But there are other fights on the table. For example, Michelle Waterson in a rematch. But I don't think that they're going to push her to fight for the title so early because if you think about it, Yanchenchik is back at, at – you know, she's the number one contender, I believe, now. And then Karolina Kovalkovich is gone, pretty much. Like, she lost her fight, her last fight, and that was, like, what, a three-fight, four-fight skid? So that's not a smart fight for her. And then there's really nothing else. Because I don't know if Rose will be ready to fight Waylai right off the bat, because that's scary. I don't really want to see her against Jessica Andrade again. Because, let's face it, like, I was happy. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody thinks. I was happy to watch Jessica Andrade get destroyed by Waylai. Because I felt like that was revenge, you know, for Rose. Because I, I was more pissed off that Rose lost that way. Because she was beating the mess out of Jessica Andrade. Yeah, she really... That's that's what's so crazy. And shows, like, the the mindset of an MMA fighter, like... And the resiliency to push through, like, certain situations. Like, Rose was not happy. But look how she performed against Jessica Andrade. Yeah. Incredible. She she put on a perfect fight and then just got slammed. And then the worst part was, like, there's no sort of technique that she could have used to stop that. There was nothing. She was doing everything right. Because if you look at the previous slam attempt... She got right back on her feet. Like, she couldn't slam her. The only difference was that she was like, oh, let me just drop her on her neck and try and kill her. It's like, come on, dude. Like, I don't give you any legitimacy in that because it just, it was a corny slam. Like, you only slammed her because you knew you were getting beat up, you know? And I get it like a win's a win, but I would only hope that if they put that rematch together, like, that Rose would destroy her. Like, and really... Like, go heat-seeking missile on her ass with every strike she throws. Because that pissed me off. Still to this day, I can't even watch the fight. Because to this I day. So, yeah, to this day. I can't even watch the fight because I get mad. Yeah, it's a heartbreaker. That was one of the more sad episodes the, f- the day after that fight. Yeah, but I will say this. I'm really happy that she kind of found her passion again. And I ain't even going to lie. Like, I started to tear up when I saw that interview. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm going to get a bit emotional. I was like, oh, please. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, a gift and a curse for her that she really, like, wears her heart on her sleeve. Yeah, and on top of that, like, 
she has to. This is what people don't understand. Like, people talk so much crap about fighters, but they don't understand the psychological and emotional drainage that it does to you. Not even just training, but having to prepare for the fights mentally and emotionally. It's not easy. Like, look at how Rose won the title and who she won it from. She won it from you know you know one of the scariest women in MMA history. And not only did she beat her, but she beat her to the at her own game twice, you know, mm-hmm. and that that wasn't easy because look at the freaking graveyard that Joanna Yanchenchek left for Rose. That's why it was hard for Rose because when Rose was coming up, look at the people she had to fight to get up there, and she had even lost to Kovalkovich, a title, you know, a former title challenger. And lost by split decision, but beat everybody else. She beat Van Zandt. She friggin' beat Michelle Waterson. Like, she beat everybody to get there. So, you know, I understand the pressure she went through. And I and I totally get it. She was like, look, I'm, I'm going to take some time because I was literally on top of the world. And think about it. Like, she was getting so many opportunities to do modeling getting, you know, like, offers to do movies and and everything because of, obviously, her beauty and stuff, but her fighting was incredible. But now I feel like she's going to come back, and I see her beating Tatiana Suarez, and I definitely, I see her putting on the fight of the decade with, you know, Weilai Zhang, if she can get there. I'm not interested in a third fight between her and Joanna, so... We'll see what happens. It's just crazy. If you haven't noticed, like, the UFC's divisions have been real weird lately. Yeah. It's like these people are coming back, either going up or going down, and just having dominant performances. And then you're like, what do we do with you? Or people who are like, yeah, I'm returning. And it's just like, yeah, but, like, look at the rankings. Like, where do you where do you stand? So it, it's crazy. Anybody who fights Rose is risking everything. Mm-hmm. So, it, I don't know. I'm just excited for her to be back. Yeah, so my last piece of news. I'm going to tell you some call-outs, and I just want buy or sell. All right, so these are some of the call-outs this week. Gilbert Burns calls out Anthony Pettis. Whack. Um, Steve Miocic calls out Tyson Fury. I'd buy that. Francis Ngannou calls out Tyson Fury. Yeah, I'd buy that. I think that was it. Uh, We had Izzy and Yoel still fighting it out. Oh, Darren Till, Robert Whitaker. Yeah, don't forget Masvidal versus Canelo. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) You were like, let's turn this off. Sell. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about USC Moscow. That happened last week. Sweet victory. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Alexander, you talked about dominant victories with Rose. What about Alexander Volkov versus Greg Hardy? Listen. Listen, I know how we feel about Greg Hardy. I respect the man for going in there with him. Listen, <clears throat> I respect Greg because he gave, you know, um, I forgot to say his name. Volkov. Volkov. I was going to say Volkanovsky. But Volkov went in there, and he implemented an excellent game plan, and it worked to the T. Like, there's nothing else that man could have done. 
But you know what? Like, he also took some really big shots. Now, granted, like, Greg Hardy had a very limited striking game against somebody as polished as Volkov, but... What a clinic. Yeah, like, he just... That left leg was just rolling. And, like, Greg Hardy was just like, this sucks. But you know what? Like, he was like, listen, I one day I'll be the king, but right now I bow down to Volkov, and I'm going to stay the prince. And it's like, all right, it's weird, but... I'm, I'm, I appreciated him respecting Volkov and, and treating him like the veteran that he was. Because, let's face it, Volkov could have been like, who the hell is this? I'm not taking this fight. Give me a top 10, you know? I'll take that. But you know what? Greg Hardy needed this. This is his opportunity to tell himself, like, do I want to do this? And I think now he will probably take this more seriously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously... With the last fight with socially, like, with that little weird incident, like, this puts into perspective his career. Like, they're banking on him to be successful. Because if not, they wouldn't have bothered to give him this fight. Mm-hmm. So, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot to think about. So, I hope that he gets his stuff together and gets ready because to go three rounds without getting his ass knocked out by a guy who was, like, this close to the title, that says a lot. So, I don't even see why they wouldn't put him up against probably Derek Lewis or somebody. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Volkov. It sounds like, well, Nganu said, like, Volkov is ducking him. And he has, like, receipts for, like, the last three years Volkov turned down fights with Nganu. So... I mean, I would too. <laughs> that would, yeah, I would too. But that'll that'll probably happen eventually. I like that fight. I like that fight. Um, I don't really know where, but I, I don't like even that know fight. where Ngannou stands right now. Yeah, because like you could literally throw him in a title shot again with Stipe, but it's like, can you really? Because Curtis Blade is back. He's gonna face JDS and definitely beat the crap out of him. I like that fight. By the way, we didn't really. Talk yeah. too much about it, but I like that fight. I mean, hey, there's a chance that he could beat Curtis Blades, but think about who Blades lost to last, you know? So it's not like he's been getting KO'd the past few years and then winning a couple. No, like he lost to the guy he had lost to previously, and, you know, he didn't even get knocked out viciously. It was just like he couldn't recover. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. So He's just got to – he's just got – Blades has to figure out what he's going to do too because he's in a weird spot as well. Because mm-hmm. to put him up against, you know, like Ngano a third time or throw him in a title shot, like we don't know what's going to happen. The UFC is just crazy now. Yeah, it's like you said, the, the divisions are all over the place. Like, And it's crazy because we usually talk about 155 and 170 so much that we forget about like – the heavyweights and, you know, the light heavyweights. Well, we've been covering the light heavyweights. But really, the heavyweights, we we really missed the boat on. And even the bantamweights at times. Um, the Zabit-Calvin Cater fight, I'm not going to lie, Andre. I, I didn't enjoy this as much as everybody else. You know, people thought this was like a high-level performance. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really like it too much. Give me your synopsis <laughs> yeah i mean calvin put on a good performance but there was only so much he could do because he took that first round off and i was kind of upset at him for doing that because 
one, he could have put out more output. Like, I understand that Zabit's kind of hard to figure out, but for this being such a pressing fight at this division, and, you know, what was on the line was so important, he needed to, like, really take it to Zabit. Especially because he speculated that Zabit would gas out. So he really should have pushed him to do that. Like, granted, Zabit was dealing with staff, but he should have pushed the pace more. And he should have really tried to, like, use techniques that would eventually slow Zabit's movement down and make him sit down more on his punches. And he didn't do that. And Zabit ended up kind of picking him apart from the outside if he wasn't in grappling exchanges with him. But I'm going to say this. If Zabit performs like that, you know, against Volkanovski or even Holloway, he's going to lose viciously. And he's going to end up getting hurt. So I only can say that Zabit's got a lot to work on as far as his cardio. But this isn't the end for Galvin Cater. No, not at all. I don't think he, he loses anything by losing this fight. No. He just he kind of walked into a situation where he was like, yeah, this is a great idea. Yeah. I'm going to take it because he really had nothing to lose. At the end of the day, there's so many fights for him because now he's like, hey, like I fought against, you know, top seven guy and, you know, I did well. I don't sorry I didn't I don't take anything away from him at the end of the day because he's still an excellent fighter and he's still learning the ground game. He's only a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so he's still got a long way to go. But his striking is there. So yeah, there were some fun finishes. Let's get into them real quick and then we'll move on. Uh Dave Zawada submits Abu Bakar. That had me <laughs> rolling. Connor destroyed him on Twitter. <laughs> I was laughing. Then I feel bad because we kind of skimmed through this card last week, but there were a few names on this card. Yeah. Uh, Carl Roberson submits Roman Kapilblov. Wow. Roberson, um, the kickboxer, gets a submission victory. Yeah, and then we had a disgusting front kick KO. Magomed Ankaliev over Dalcha Lojimbula. That's the guy who was like this like South African champ. He looked disgusting in his last fight. Like he looked fantastic. I thought he was extremely promising. He's he was ten and one at the time until he drops this yo. If you didn't see this knockout, oh my god. I gotta watch it. it. You gotta hear it. I haven't seen anything from that card. The sound of that knockout was rough. I, I caught a couple fights, but the fights I caught were like, meh. Yeah, the main the main stuff. Yeah. And then we had Danny Roberts. He uh, KO'd Zalim Amadayev. That one I saw. Oh, my <laughs> God. He was like, oh. I was like, oh, my God, he did it. Yeah, so, you know, besides the main event and co-main event, there were some fun things. If you want to go back and watch, those are probably the things to go back and watch. Yeah. So we have a few cards this weekend I want to talk about. Let's start with Bellator 234, which is actually happening like right now, or has happened. Um, but it's what? on a, it happened and it's on a tape delay, so it won't come on to zone till tomorrow, which is today when you're listening to it. But it, it's 
I've already seen the results, but let's talk about what's going, what happened as far as like the fights themselves, and we'll talk about the results next week. We have Sergey Karatonov versus Litton Vassell. Uh, the returning Roger Huerta versus Sydney Outlaw. And then on the undercard, uh, two notable names, Austin Vanderford or Austin Van Zandt and uh, <laughs> Olga Rubin. Yeah. So, and this is in Tel Aviv, Israel, which is incredible. Um, I want to go to Israel so bad. So bad. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we have CFFC happening this weekend in AC. Let's go over that real quick. We have Pat Z- Sabatini from Henzo Gracie's. We have Kenny Richmond, who trains at EEFC and Henzo Gracie's. We have Trent Stump, which uh, this is a gym. This is the first time I'm ever bringing it up. He trains at Royal Striking Muay Thai and BJJ yeah. out in South Philly. And then we have uh, Miguel Diaz fighting. He trains out of Henzo Gracie, Philly. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. You know me. I'm rooting for all the guys who train around here. And let's talk about UFC Sao Paulo. In the main event, Jan Blahowitz versus Jacare Souza. Yeah. Question, have you seen Jacare? No. Whoa. He looks huge. Remember when we talked about Luke Rockhold looking so big at 205? He looks bigger. Jacare looks like a damn crocodile on two feet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, simple question. Does Jan do what he did to Luke Rockhold against Jacare? You know, Jacare had the one stumble in his last fight against Jack Hermanson, but Jack just wanted it more that night. Jacare was completely taken off guard because that wasn't really his fight. Uh, he even said it leading up to it that you know he didn't he didn't have a good feeling about this fight, you know the opponent switch kind of threw him off. What do you see? Does the power continue? Does he is he just as strong? You know we've seen Jan get TKO'd by um, Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos recently while we've been doing this podcast. Yeah. So what do you see? I'll tell you like this. Um, Jacare's power is going to be there because a lot of people don't remember, but, like, Jacare used to do grappling at the highest level in the absolute divisions. So he'd be fighting guys way bigger than him mm-hmm. and dominating them. Yeah, so I feel like his power will definitely transfer to 205, just like Santos's did as well. Um, he really just has to kind of put on the fight that he did against Chris Weidman. Like, he's got to kind of walk Jan down. And he can't let Jan, like, really get his rhythm going, you know, because I don't think Jan's going to take a chance and go for the <coughs> takedown, risking, you know, getting submitted in, in a, a really high-profile fight like this because, you know, let's face it, like, with Luke Rockhold, you know, him finishing Luke Rockhold, like, Jan's going to be on a tear now because he has so much confidence. Like, he beat a guy that was supposed to beat him. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the same situation. But, um, yeah, this isn't like a Chris Weidman versus Dominic Reyes situation. So, you know, expect a war. But I think if I have to put my money on anybody, I would definitely say that I'm going to put it on Blahovich. 
I think maybe yeah, he just looks so good. Like yeah. I can't believe what he did to Luke Rockhold. And you know, really, that was just belief. You know, because let's face it, like Blahovich is more of a grappler than anything. But that was him angry. So imagine him confident going in there against Jacare with so much that Jacare has accomplished. You know, there's a lot on the line for both of them. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be a five round war, and I think maybe John will probably just put more output. So, yeah. But either way, I'm really happy that this fight was made. Yeah, for sure. And I do like the uh, <clears throat> switch for Jacare, even though I do believe if he loses, he's probably done. Yeah. Unfortunately. the uh, Probably one of the best fighters to never have a title shot in the yeah. UFC. It really sucks, too, because I really felt like at a certain point, he really deserved the title shot. Like him and Gegard really should have got their title shots. Yeah, and then we have uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig. Again, a late replacement for Shogun, which I think plays against him. Yeah. Um, You know, Shogun is later into his career, and I'm not calling Paul Craig like this young stud, but I just think that this was a bad move of him taking this fight. You know, maybe he should have stepped down. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, even though Paul Craig's not like a destroyer of worlds, but not at all. He's he's very tricky on the ground. So Shogun's got to be careful if he gets down there with him, you know. Like Paul Craig's not to be messed with while he's on his back. So you know, Shogun just has to keep that in mind. But you know, if he puts on a great performance and puts a lot of pressure on him, then hey, you know, it should be fine. I think he might win that fight. Yeah, and then. We have Charles Oliveira versus Jared Flash Gordon. Good yeah. fight. I, I love Charles Oliveira. Yeah, me too. I, I think he's severely underrated. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of times like he lost fights against high-profile guys just because of the fact that he... I feel like he just can't take a punch wall. Mm-hmm. But if you can't like break his rhythm, like if you can't go first, like he's going to break you down because he's really well-rounded. Yeah, I I like Jared Flash Gordon too. So you know it's a good fight. I mean they're they're both in interesting positions in their career. So I think at this point it'll just be one of those fights that'll be fun for the fans. Yeah, Jared getting a win after getting knocked out twice. Um, I look for him to continue to probably move, but Charles Oliveira is like thinking title shot, and I'm like, bruh. You're talking about the most stacked division in MMA. Yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong. He's on a five-fight win streak. But, you know, the people aren't like, you know, you got Nick Lentz, David Tamar, Jim Miller, Christian, uh, Christos Giagos, and Clay Guida. Don't get me wrong. All finishes and five fights. But I just don't think that the – the uh, What's it called? The competition is that high. You know, he faced guy like Paul Felder, you get knocked out. You know, Ricardo Lamas, you get tapped out. Anthony Pettis, you get tapped out. Max Holloway, TKO'd you. So. Donald Cerrone. Yep. TKO'd you <laughs> in like a minute. But, you know, like, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to call for title shots, like right now, he's considered the legend killer because he's been fighting all these old timers. But. If you want to make a claim to the belt, like, if you really want it, you got to look at the top 15. 
you really have to see who's there. Like, who's he going to fight? Guess who's not there? Him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you like this. There's only one fight that I see that could probably go well for him, and that's probably just Alexander Hernandez. And, yeah. And that's about it, you know? That's literally all I see for him, so. And then we do have the undercard, which I, to me, I think is pretty stacked. Um, you have in the prelims Sergio Marias versus James Krause, Ricardo Ramos versus Luis Eduardo Garagori. Then you have Francisco Trinaldo versus Bobby Green, Warley Alves versus Randy Brown. You have Henan Barral versus Douglas Silva de Andrade. And then these fights I'm looking forward to. You have Ariane Lipsky fighting. And then you have Tracy Cortez fighting. Tracy Cortez coming off the Tuesday Night Contender Series. I've been buzzing about her since the Tuesday Night Contender Series fight. And I see her coming out as the rising star in this card. Yeah. She's the first fight of the night. Can't miss it. You cannot miss it. She's a beast. Damn. Yeah, and Ariane Lipsky, you know, she's someone, former KSW champ. I really hope that she gets a win. Yeah, me too. I, I think she will. I, I just think that she's really got to get on the ball like yeah. really fast. Like, It's not even about starting fast. Like, She's just got to have the mentality of I'm 0-2 in the UFC. If I lose one more, it's back to KSW. Yeah, I don't think anybody... I don't think anybody in their right mind would want to have to be demoted back down to a minor league. Like, that would suck, you know? Yeah, it's um, it's a scary thing for her. You know, she came in with so much hype. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, they were tough fights. Yeah. You know, you got to fight Joanne Calderwood. You're looking at a war. Yeah, and not only that, like a technical war. Yeah. Because Joanne, she came to win that fight. Mm -hmm. And Joanne said it. She was like, listen, this is a dangerous fight, but I've been doing this a long time at this level. So, you know what I mean? Like, it ain't, it wasn't like Joanne hadn't fought some of the best because Joanne fought some of the best at 115, you know? So, at the end of the day, <coughs> I feel like Ariane Lipsky can be there to stay. And there's a lot of great fights in 125 for her or wherever she's fighting. But she just got to get on the ball. It's like Megan Anderson. Like, she finally got her first win. Mm -hmm. And she's just got to keep it going. She's got to keep it going. She can't quit. She has to really keep winning fights. And I, I feel like Lipsky will do that. Yeah. So that's UFC Sao Paulo. To, I mean, I'm excited for it. It's a lot better than the card that just passed, you know, as far as name value. But um, this is something that I am looking forward to watch. Uh, listener question. I have a listener question for you this week. It was something I've been thinking about all week. I've been hooked on watching and listening to 30 for 30s <laughs> from ESPN because of ESPN+. Plus. Um, so great to have it, huh? It's fantastic. The best $5 I spend every month. And DAZN is the worst $20. <laughs> yeah, I'll never spend $20 on DAZN. So... We've already seen the 30 for – they made a 30 for 30 podcast about the first UFC, which was fantastic. If you have 40 minutes, take it and listen to that. They've done the Chuck and Tito 30 for 30, which also was fantastic. If you get a chance, watch that. We still haven't talked about it. But if you could pick an MMA story 
to make a 30 for 30 about, what would it be? And why? Damn. So, what made me think about this was I watched the video off of r slash MMA on Reddit, which was like every finish of Ronda's career, like all her finishes. And um, I would like ESPN to do a 30 for 30 on the rise and fall of Ronda Rousey as an MMA fighter. Now, I know that that'll never happen, but a man can dream. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you bring up, like, that phrase, like, rise and fall. Because there really isn't a lot of people who have that same kind of story. But... Yeah, it's usually, like, rise and then, like, tail off. Yeah, like, if there is... I can think of two. Maybe it's just bias, but... One interesting story, I think, would be GSP. Mainly because he was such a dominant champ, and the way he left the sport was not due to, like, loss or getting dominated or anything. Like, it was just kind of a weird situation. And then to come back the way he did was, like extraordinary but if it were if it's not him i gotta say roy mcdonald his story within itself is insane like for true martial arts fans like roy mcdonald's story is not just for mma fighters like the man dropped out of high school at like 14 and started training full-time moved away from his home from you know what i remember and was just training. And he didn't stop. Went pro at 16 years old. Got to the UFC at 20. Fought Carlos Condit and almost beat him <coughs> at 20 years old, you know? Like, the man's story is incredible. And then to do what he did in Bellator, you know? And it, I think that would be an excellent 30 for 30. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, The obvious one is a Conor McGregor 30 for 30. But... The only way that works is if he comes back and he's successful. Yeah, yeah, because right now it would like the ending would just be dead. Yeah, and this would kind of be more of like a, and like if you did his story right now, it'd be really hard to be honest without getting like a lawsuit, like a defamation suit. Because like to be honest, you have to talk about greed. You have to talk about him being so delusional. Yeah. And you have to talk about his ass whoopings. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, it, th- this is the, the thing that people don't understand. Like, Connor's losses have literally come by finish. Like, inside and out the cage. Yeah. Like, like everything <laughs> that has happened outside of the cage are, like, like knockouts. Like, Legit. You, you hit a dude. You know, you allegedly, you know, um, sexually assault a female twice. Yeah. Um, You smack a phone out of dude's hand, which I don't blame him for that. But, you know, that's another lawsuit that, you know, has since been resolved. Yeah. But just saying, like, like you can't. These are, like, things that people lose all their fame and fortune over. Yeah. Like, and... You know, he's just had the funds and the uh, the wherewithal to withstand all that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, even, like, the word you brought up, greed, like, 
you have to think of the fact that, like, yeah, he kind of did something that changed the sport. But at the same time, it was bad because he created this whole money fight thing in the UFC and in MMA in general. And people were just like, oh, well, if it takes two belts to get me here, then that's what I'm going to go for. Oh, well, if it takes me talking about somebody's mother in a press conference, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, if it takes me wearing a, a freaking blue striped suit, you know, with a dumbass tie and stupid ass freaking glasses in a stadium it's like dude like just stop but at the end of the day he created that because that's really his persona but it backfired because he lost which is the same thing that's gonna happen to colby covington yeah um and i'm sorry i had to put that in there right before we go last question how do you feel about cm punk coming back uh i'd rather die to the wwe oh sorry my bad. <laughs> that was a little extreme. Um, Pash is going to love that. I mean, hey, man. I saw the news that he was like backstage, I think, with Samoa Joe or something silly. So like it's that. a show called WWE Backstage. It's on Fox, and it's Fox produced. So he works for Fox now, and he is a – how did they word it? Word it? He would be on the show periodically as a contributor. So it's not like he's like there all the time. But the word is like he's going to be there every so often to talk about what's going on, you know. And honestly, I haven't watched much WWE lately. But you know me and my love for CM Punk. For God's sakes, I have the guy's logo tattooed on my leg. I will be watching this show. <laughs> Dang, man. I think that, like, even what he was doing, you know, for CFFC, like, that was great, you know? Yeah, and he still can do that. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he will be there this weekend. And that's awesome, you know? I like that because that's kind of something I felt that he needed and was really good at. So I'm just hoping that maybe he can get in there and – and do whatever he needs to do. I wouldn't even mind seeing him go back to wrestling. You know, as long as he's doing something that he enjoys and that he loves and that he's passionate about. Because I, you know, at the same token, I understand why he left. You know, it was kind of a tough situation for him at that time. You know, feeling disrespected by, you know, the McMahon family and, you know, the WWE in general. But I wish him the best. You know, he took two fights, did something that a lot of people wouldn't do. But uh, in both fights, he got he got beat up pretty bad. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that has been this week's Your Boy Elroy. I am Josh Prep Egina. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Prepson. One word, Andre. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. One word, Flow State Drain. You can also find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah, five-star ratings and reviews. Um, you can find the show on Instagram at YBEMMA Podcast. Uh, let us know. We're still making sure that we're on all forms of podcast networks, like if you don't use Google Play or Apple, 
let us know. We'll make sure to get on your podcast service. Uh, if it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week.